Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. Happy September, listeners. We are back for another live episode of Smart Retirement Podcast, and we are going to talk about your money in an election year today and do our darndest to not bring up any politics. Is that right, Matt? Absolutely. Maybe figure out how we can figure out more money for everyone. <laughs> more money. How do you do it? How do you how do you plan if Trump wins? How do you plan if Biden wins? How do you plan if Kanye West wins? <laughs> <laughs> right. We probably right. won't spend too much time on that last one, but no. No. in the off chance, there would sell be, everything. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Move to Costa Rica, get a fruit stand, enjoy the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just a very, it's very big year, right, Matt? Every four years, but it, it seems like lately and you know with the changing of the guards with obama to what what was it going to be hillary was it going to be trump we saw a lot of major volatility leading right up to the election day and then tons of it following um if i if i'm not exactly right you know don't don't quote me but i think rates went up a point interest rates for real estate went up a point and an eighth in eight days when Hillary Clinton lost that election and um, it was just crazy because, and that, that was more of a macroeconomic scale. So much of the money from the bonds market and the treasuries market left and went to the Dow. And that's when we saw this kickoff of a huge, like colossal avalanche on the Dow Jones and S and P and the, and the real bull run began when Trump took office in 2016. Um, yep. You've got a lot more insight on this type of stuff, so I'd like to hear what you have to say about, you know, the whole changing of the guard and what could happen. Sure. Well, I mean, the biggest thing to keep in mind in any type of scenario is when we're preparing for retirement is ensuring that we have a plan like we always talk about. Right, Mike? But then also sticking by that plan and not letting the media and the other things out there scare you into be, you know, making choices and decisions that you probably wouldn't make otherwise, right? Yeah. So anytime we're looking at retirement, this is usually a long-term type of play. Um, you know, you're, most people are going to re- be retired for what, 30, 35, 40 years, maybe even 50 years, depending on how early they retire or how good their health is. It's important to abide by the, the plan that's kind of set out for them. Um, you know, and don't act as much out of emotion as what, you know, your intentions really are for that plan. So, you know, if, if we've got a con- contribution set at, hey, we're going to put uh, 10 to 15% of our earned income, we're going into this, continue doing that. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of who's going to win, which we could have a whole different show on, um, in reality, the market will stabilize even if it has a correction or if it has a nice little jump up. So, um, something to you know keep in mind there. I've had a few people call the office already and just kind of say, "Matt, should we go ahead and sell our portfolio?" And my normal reaction to that is, you know, let's go back or look at your plan that we have put into place five years ago, and let's continue following by that. So, 
Yeah. Uh, what so what about like in the short run though? Like it like if let's say because there's so many events that's taken place this year. I mean, in addition to just common um congressional law that's changed with the Secure Act and what we've talked about before in earlier shows. Um uh, you know, the obvious stimulus package that's taken place due to COVID-19, the CARES Act. Sure. And yeah, I mean, there's uh, in addition to that law that's been in, put in place, which adds, you know, more debt, more more deficit to the United States government. How would how would someone be able to, you know, if, if they're going to prepare to take out income from their assets or their IRA or their retirement accounts next year, how should they rep- prepare in the short run? Do you think it would just be following the same exact plan? Like if Biden wins or if Trump wins, how would it be different? Well, I think the if we're looking at the difference between the two of the potential candidates there, um, we've got some tax things that could come along throughout that, right? So let's just stop for a second. You mentioned it, Mike, but I mean, if we go back, look at 2020 in a whole, right? We had the Secure Act at the beginning of the year and first real retirement type of reform that we've had in this country in probably the last 40 years, right? And then we have, like you said, the the CARES Act and all these stimulus bills that are coming out. They're even talking about coming out with an even larger stimulus bill here before the end of the year. Um, that's going to have to get paid back somehow, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they can print all they want, but it's just going to help. I shouldn't say help. It's just going to drive the country farther and farther into debt. And how does that get repaid? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so to answer your question, you know, should someone make a rash decision if they're starting to take income next year? Yeah, go ahead and continue with your plan that you've set in action. Now, there's some things that I will tell you is if we're looking at the two different candidates and let's take... Trump, for instance, if he does get reelected, you know, in that scenario, I don't see any type of tax reform. Uh, You know, Trump just came in, redid the tax code in his administration, I should say, kind of went through and reformed all of the tax code, that type of stuff. Now, if he gets reelected, how do we think we're going to repay that debt that's outstanding? So my guess would be that we're probably looking at more tariffs, you know, on on goods and things from foreign countries. We're going to have a spike in manufacturing here in the United States, which means more goods sold here, more taxes will be collected from that. Well, I mean, that fits exactly with the Trump plan. Right. right. So if he gets reelected, I think that's probably how. So you're saying as would... a whole on a macro scale, sorry, that, that I want to make sure I understand this because this, sure. is, this is what interests me. Not that the whole show hasn't interest me, but this very thing, <laughs> like how it follows. We talk about having your own plan in retirement. It's going to be interesting to see how Trump's plan rolls out if he gets reelected. Absolutely. You know, in the sense that he's got a national a nationalism thing going where he wants more manufacturing here, less dependency on imports, more exports. I mean, things like natural gas are come to the top of my mind, but we're talking about like, instead of giving every little tool part piece that you get when you buy that, that new piece of furniture saying made in China or made in Vietnam, it's going to say made here. 
So you're saying that's when the government will recoup taxes from those manufacturers. Yeah. And then there's another if there really is what does Congress look like, right? Is Congress going to remain split and are we going to have the House and the you know the Senate opposite ends of the spectrum? Because if we have that, trying to get any type of tax policy or anything done, I think we're going to run into, like we're seeing now, you know, a gridlock. And I mean, how much compromise have we really seen between the two parties? So that was, I think, is going to make Trump's plan a little difficult. Now, if the if Congress turns red, then I think for sure we're going to be looking at the tariffs, trade deals, um, you know, and then really big push on that American manufacturing. So that's on Trump's thing. Now, if Biden ends up taking over, um, I think we're going to see a completely different way of going about it. I think we're going to have a we're going to expect to probably see higher income taxes um, and kind of a, a total progressive uh, system be implemented under that administration. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's going to put the financial burden of all this borrowed money and printed money on the wealth or the higher taxed uh, earners here in the country. So that's a little worrisome. But then the flip side to that also is Biden's already said that they want to redo the entire tax code again from what Trump's done. So what's that probably going to mean? Well, they're going to look to taxes to recoup the national debt. So what's that mean to you and me, Mike? Our taxes are going up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just a thought there, listeners, is regardless of kind of where you're thinking this election might go, if you've got a lot of money sitting in a 401k or a traditional IRA that, right, you put all this money in pre-tax, you haven't paid tax on it yet, it might be wise to go ahead and start looking and you could reference back to one of our shows on how to do it, but doing a Roth conversion on some of this money. Go ahead and pay the tax on it now while the taxes are low. And if the ta- if Biden does get elected next year and taxes go up, you'll be in a much better scenario because now you can access that money tax-free and it will be growing tax-free. So just a little thought there. But, um, you know, going back on to what taxes, you know, could really look like and under a Biden uh, administration is there's also things they're looking at other than just changing the tax code and things, but... Um, Changing the limits for estate and inheritance taxes. You know, there is some states right now that have inheritance taxes. Pennsylvania, I believe, is one of them. Um, I think they're looking to create that to kind of go across a the nation to help recoup that and possibly even like a national sales tax is something they've been thinking of. So I think if we look at the Biden administration, it's going to be a very heavily taxed um scenario for the higher income earners in this country. I think the Trump uh, administration is going to look more to outside funds and kind of fundraising the money, if you would, uh, from other places. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I, I want to say some stuff here just really quick before yeah, we go please. break, because I know that so we referenced, uh, so I saw there was a show, I'm looking up the episodes here, our second show of all shows back in season one. So if you go to smartretirementcast.com, you can look at our full season repertoire, but any of your 
podcast uh, outlets, you know, whether it's Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple um, Podcasts, you can go through in season one, we do RMDs and Roth conversions. But we also have a great show where we had our guest on one of your um, peers and colleagues that you work with all the time, Matt. Um, I can't think of his name right now. It's Mark. Mark Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and that was a great show, too, because we talked about, you know, the idea of this Roth conversion. Now, this isn't this doesn't mean that you do your entire 401k or your IRA, right? You're just talking about like portions of money. Well, I think it depends on where they currently where our listeners currently sit in their tax bracket, right? If there's a large uh, amount that can be converted and stay in the same bracket or maybe only go up one bracket, it may make sense to do the whole thing. Um, at the end of the day, if Biden does get elected with the taxes that are going to be imposed on everyone, you're going to probably make out better by transferring the whole thing into a Roth, paying the tax on it now uh, over the, uh, the period of time. It kind of depends on how soon mm-hmm. you anticipate withdrawing funds from this account, right? Mm-hmm. If you're already in retirement, might not be the best idea. If you're five, mm-hmm. 10 years away, that's when you might want to look at that. And that's something that I can do for you listeners is run a full analysis for you of, does it make sense to take advantage of the low taxes today and go ahead and, convert some or all of my traditional account today. So if it's something you're interested in, give us a call at 866-53-RETIRE. Again, that's 866-53-RETIRE. Or shoot us an inf- an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. So Mike, what do you say we take a break real quick? And when we come back, we can dive a little bit further into today's topic. I want to do that. Yeah. And right before we go, listeners, look, politics is always a, something that strikes a nerve with you. So please email us some ideas you have of what you're doing or what you might be thinking of doing with your retirement, whether it be real estate transactions or your investment retirement accounts that Matt can help with or how you're processing your life insurance or annuities. So info at smartretirementcast.com. And uh, we'll be right back after this break. We've got some more cool tips and topics regarding how to protect your real estate, excuse me, your investments and retirement during an election year. We'll be right back. Honestly, when was the last time you really took a hard look at your retirement plan? With the way the market's been, it's easy to become complacent. A new decade is upon us, which comes with a lot of questions. Can the economy and market continue to grow? What will the next election do to my investments? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer, it's simple. Get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants. With over 40 years of financial planning experience, give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. For advice on mortgage products, he is not licensed as an investment advisor. All of the mortgage products Mike Points will discuss on this show are for educational purposes, and these products should be reviewed by a licensed loan officer before taking these mortgages on as your own, as they may not fit your specific situation or needs. Welcome back, listeners, from that short break. Uh, wanted to kind of wrap up my segment of the show, just kind of let's uh, reviewing, I guess we should say, kind of what we talked about here at the first section. If you're just 
flip it on or just need a kind of a recap. So, you know, we're really discussing how an election can affect one's retirement and some of the things that you should be looking out for in the next couple months here as we get a little bit closer to this election. So just a reminder, you know, everyone don't use this as a the media and everything to scare you into running off and dumping your portfolio. If you've got a plan, stick with it. If you don't, you should be reaching out to a financial professional like myself to help get the guidance and education that you need to be making wise decisions for your retirement. Um, Again, between the two candidates, we're definitely going to have some different opinions from everyone that's listening. I did not want this show to be political, so I apologize if it came off that I was siding with one or the other. That was truly not the case. I'm just trying to take what both of them are running on and explain to you what could happen in the long run. So, you know, if Biden does get in, I think it is a wise decision to be looking this year to go ahead and start moving some of that pre-tax money into an after-tax or Roth type of situation so you can have a little bit more of a tax advantage there. So with that, Mike, I know you had a couple topics that you wanted to bring up. I know we're, we're in a super hot real estate market right now. Um, what can some of these people, you know, they're kind of on the fence. They might want to do a refi, uh, might sure. be going out purchasing, but, you know, they they think they can get it done in the next couple months, but they're like, okay, what happens if the election happens? What's going to happen to rates? So, you know, if any thoughts there or things yeah. they can do? Yeah. So um, first, thank you for that. First and foremost, it's, it's such a unique real estate market right now because inventory is extremely low. You know why, listeners. I mean, if you were wanting to sell your house right now, there's three things that are, you know, a challenge. First off, do you want to let people in your home? Um, and, you know, that's an opinion that everyone has and should have about their health. Secondly, um, here's the second challenge. If you sell your house, you've got to buy another house, right? If this is your right. primary. So there's not a lot of inventory. So finding a replacement home is, is getting difficult, very difficult, because not so much that you wouldn't be able to move up and find a better place. It's that due to the lack of inventory, there is three, four, five buyers making an offer on a house at the same time as you. This is a lot like it was in 2012, 13, and 14 when people were confident again in the real estate market. We had really pulled the nose up on that airplane that was going to crash into the mountains after the right. mortgage crash. No pun intended. And But this time we got a little extra spark, and that's that rates are below two and three quarters almost all the time. So 2.75% is the going 30 year mortgage. So if you've got a if you've got a interest rate right now on your mortgage higher than 3%, you've got to contact me. You really do. Um, 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE, option two. Um, I only can offer products in the state of California. So if you're a listener in another state, I can put you in touch with another loan officer. I'd be happy to just give you advice because you're a listener of the show on what you're trying to do. We've done that before with clients in Texas. We've had people from Georgia call us. We've had some Arizona people contact us. Um, Matt's got a little bit more flexibility, but the the CFPB um, will not allow me to offer outside of the state of California. So the third challenge, if you're trying to sell your house, is that it's really, really difficult right now to um, to have a buyer 
that, that you know is going to confidently close because most people are throwing up high numbers just to close, just to get into escrow with you. Um, appraisals are starting to come back lower than what contract prices are. So the appraisers are getting a little nervous as well. They're, they're wondering why prices are jumping up so high. And it's purely because of the microeconomics. Um, every, every house I'm talking to, or excuse me, getting into transaction right now, and I'm probably doing about six to eight a month on a purchase side of things, are going over asking by about two to 4% at least. Wow. When you get in California, that's, you know, instead of being 750, that means the house is now going for like 770, 785. So it's difficult for that appraiser, unless there's a very good comparable house that's sold recently to give it that value. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, just pertaining to this episode and how to plan for the election, if you're in a refinance, a lot of these institutions out there, um, I know B of A, Wells Fargo, Chase, um, some of the credit unions are trying their best to get these transactions done, but they're taking 90 to 120 days to complete a refinance transaction. It's a terribly long time. The average is 45 days in the industry when it's not crazy like it is right now with demand. And uh, Central Coast Lending's doing a good job. We're right about 55 to 60 days to close a refinance. Um, I want you to contact me prior to October, because I've seen historically October's when the market starts to get a little bit more volatile. We will likely have debates between President Trump and um, Vice President Biden and to see how um, how they're going to hash that out. I think that gives people more confidence in one side or the other. And I think it would be wise to be in a refinance transaction and have your rate locked through the election. Let me explain what that means. Um, that means when your rate is locked, at, let's say you're locked at 2.75% and the market gets worse, right? You're at 2.75% no matter what. If the market gets worse, you don't have to worry about it. You really don't even have to watch the financial news anymore. However, what's great, what we're doing now, the, the industries are doing, I know I'm doing this, is what's called a float down approach. So I'm locking the rate for 90 days because... I like this type of volatility while you're in a transaction. I'm giving, I'm basically setting up what's similar to an option, Matt. I'm buying a lock for 90 days, banking on the fact that it will likely go down an eighth to a quarter point in interest rate. The second that it does, I automatically switch my borrower's rate down with no additional closing cost. Love that. Yeah. So it gives you the the protection of not getting a worse rate but if you were to say lock in in october through november that first week when election day is you would be able to stay locked at a great rate and see if the market drops down another quarter or three-eighths in interest rate with no additional charge to you and really no headache because if we're wrong and we should have waited to lock we're gonna we're gonna drop your lock, your interest rate down. But if we were right to lock and it goes up to three and a quarter, well, we'll just close your loan like we were supposed to at 2.75%. Now, I have to say this. When I talk about interest rates, it depends on three things. It depends on what your FICO score is. It depends on how you're going to occupy the property, meaning is it going to be your primary or an investment property? And I also have to take into consideration how much down payment you have or equity if it's a refinance. So 
please contact me directly so I can give you things like your actual APR, like your actual rate, um, your actual terms. We'll talk about things like, does it make sense to even do a refinance? If you're going to sell the house in two years, probably not. I mean, there's fees like we've talked about in many episodes. There's transactional costs that I want to make transparent to you and go through this. Many, many of our listeners have just shot in emails to talk about, hey, is this the right time to refinance? Should I wait? So I wanted to touch on this today to say, look, we can do the float down approach where we basically have a bird in hand. And if needed, we can execute on a lower interest rate for no headache and no additional cost to you. So that's how I would say to play the the game during this election year is, you know, if you got a refinance in March, do not be bashful. You got a 3.125, three and a quarter rate. You, you um, shot from the hip and you went and got a refinance too early. How could you have known? You know, you saw the writing on the wall, man, the economy is going to go into lockdown. I better get this done now. And now it's almost October and I'm looking at rates that are half a point better than they were in March. So I got a question, Mike. So if I'm one of those individuals that in March went ahead and did a refi and I'm sitting at 3.15 or 3.25%, does it make sense to go ahead and refi because of the transactional cost if I plan on staying in the home for another 15, 20 years? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. What we'll do is a break-even calculation, which is essentially how much does it cost to close this transaction divided by how much am I saving monthly? And when you do that formula, cost divided by savings monthly, and that number pumps out a return or break even at less than 36 months or however long you're going to be in the property, then it's a big green light. I'm usually shooting for less than 36 months. Many of my files right now are coming back to me saying, hey, look, I I got this refinance done in February, March or April. Um, The guy I worked with, he was some guy on like a, he called me from my bank and I don't even know who he is. So I want to go with you, but does it make sense? Here's the first thing I do. What if we just charge you no fees, none at all, your principal doesn't go up a dollar and you drop from 3.25% to 2.875%. Would that be bad? It'd be like shopping out your car insurance, right? It'd be like, hey, I want to save $115 a month. There's just a simple switch of paper. (laughs) Yep. The other thing I'm doing too, that people that don't have a client to borrower relationship like I focus on, meaning I look look at a long-term glance for my clients, we might talk about a 15-year. I might talk about a 20-year mortgage for you. You know, you don't have to keep resetting this 30-year mortgage amortization clock because the first five years is when the banks make a killing off of your payment. It's predominantly interest. And it's a lot like your life insurance policies, Matt, for the young guy. Like you yep. set up a universal life insurance policy and they're going to have $125,000 in that thing to draw from, you know, like it's their money when they're 58. But the first four or five years, they're paying three, dollars $4,000 a year and they don't have a lot of cash in that universal life policy. Correct. Yeah. So it's the that's when the institution or the company is making a lot of their money off of you. So- I'd rather say, hey, look, you got this loan four months ago. Let's look at doing a 25-year mortgage and making it the same payment. I just lopped off five years of payment. How much is five years of payment? If it's $2,000 a month, that's a hundred grand you're not paying at the backside of the loan because you just knocked off five years. 
But to answer your question, the easy button is what if I just took your three and a quarter and turned it into 2.875 and you're, you had no costs and your balance didn't go up one penny. Smack that button. Yeah. Like that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. That was easy. Sometimes I find that my competition doesn't go into a lot of different rate options. They're just like, here's today's rate. Is that good? And the consumer says, yeah, I got plenty of things going on and that's better than the rate I got now. Let's do it. I think I'd like to have a more, um, like I said, a client focused conversation with you about how long you're going to be in the property. But absolutely. And I love your thought there, Mike, as far as locking in that rate, because what do you have to lose? Right. Right. So if you're kind of on that fence, you lock it in, you hold it. And you have no risk. I mean, I, no I, I really like that idea. The only thing that's going to happen is I'm going to have to pull your credit. So you'll have an inquiry on your credit. If you've had a lot of inquiries bef- in the last 12 months, we should talk about that first. But that's really the only cost. I don't charge you any money. I don't charge my clients for appraisals when I do their refinances. So you're going to float through this thing looking really pretty on the other end with no additional uh, loan amount going up. Very good. I think we should uh, call it a wrap. What do you say? I would agree. All right, listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. And let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. California license number 0175638 and MLS number 1246224.